0: Sam Amick of The Athletic joins me, and it is an awesome episode. We get into the Bucs-Raptors to start. Sam has some big comments about where he thinks the Bucs are going. We dig in why the Raptors are struggling. A Warriors-Blazers conversation gets into the whole Kevin Durant situation there with some interesting comments and how great Steph is. And then finally, we play free agent roulette. I give Sam a player's name, and 45 days before free agency, he tells me where he's going to go, and he builds some incredible super teams. The NBA offseason is going to be nuts if it happens like this. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On NBA. You are locked on the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Sam Amick of The Athletic joins us, as I said a moment ago, we with the Three segments today. We'll check on the last night's ball game between the Bucks and the Raptors. We'll look ahead to the Warriors-Blazers where he's so deeply embedded. And then we're going to play a fun little game. 45 days out. No one really knows, but I'm just going to run through all the major free agents and see what Sam's guess is on all of them, and then we'll delete the tape afterwards and nobody will ever know what you said, Sam.
1: <laughs> Good. I'm okay. not sure I should agree to do this game to begin with. I'm going to have egg on my face, but I'll, I'll, we can have some fun with it.
0: All right, let's start with last night. Uh, The general consensus last night is the Raptors played really, really well. Kyle Lowry was rolling. They looked in control, and they lost. And the general feeling of the national media after the game was, oh, dear goodness, if they didn't win that, what's going to happen? Do you you feel that, or do you side more with, wait a sec, Kawhi got tired, nobody hit any other shots, and Brooke Lopez went bananas. That was actually as much an outlier for Milwaukee. No, I would probably go with the former.
1: I would be very disappointed today if I was part of the Raptors' operation. Um, For one, Kyle Lowry having that kind of a game and not being able to have a W hung on it is a big, big deal because we just we know his playoff struggles. This is not the guy that we've come to to uh, to kind of know and loathe during the playoffs. You know, it's so frustrating to see him not be the guy that he is during the regular season. When the postseason rolls around and he just was nails and that's really tough that they couldn't pull it off and that Kawhi goes so quietly into the, into the fourth. Um, The other takeaway for me and Brooke Lopez talked about this on his postgame interview on uh, TNT is that idea that like, don't look now, but the bucks are growing up before our eyes. They lost the series opener to Boston and Brooke talked about the lessons learned from that experience. And it really did look and feel like this was a team that has championship aspirations that knew that uh, they they don't have any time to be dropping series openers at home. And they adjusted and they kind of tweaked their competitiveness. And Giannis did things that Giannis does and dribbled down the entire length of the floor in two dribbles and, you know, created all the gravity that he's going to create and open up shooters. And Malcolm Brogdon had some really nice moments and Chris Middleton with that late pass to Malcolm on the break that was just beautiful. So to me, it's, it's more that, you know, I, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, Toronto and like the, the two track existence that they have been flirting with for a lot of the, the year where it's like the way they operate with Kawhi, the way they don't operate, you know, or they operate without him. That had been, those two things had been closely aligned enough so far in the playoffs. And, and I thought it came back to bite them a little bit in this one.
0: We're watching a 24 year old Giannis with not the ba- not a great deal of basketball experience, so probably a young 24. I think we've forgotten what a. I mean, LeBron had won a scoring title by 24, so probably not. But like the we we think of LeBron, I think as the 30 year old to 28 year old LeBron before he goes to Miami. How similar or different do you think they are? in the impact they're having on the game and as they're emerging to understand how to impact games at, at Um, at same age.
1: I mean, it's hard to have vivid memories of exactly where, you know, LeBron was at, at that age. I I would tend to say, and this sounds like, you know, I'm, I'm getting out over my skis a little bit, but that the impact is greater with Giannis at this age. Um, You know, LeBron was phenomenal, but, he, like Giannis, you know, was a non-shooter earlier in his career. That certainly got better as he got older, was never a shooter-shooter. But, you know, he created gravity. He was a two-way player at that point of his career. But it's, it it never felt as devastating, and certainly a far superior playmaker to Giannis. But it just, this is so devastating, the way that, that Giannis fits into Mike Budenholzer's system and the way they've created that roster around him. But then... That's the formula, right, all season long, and it worked to the tune of the best record in the NBA. Now the part that is so impressive for me is that, you know, it's the big boy time of year when it, it's all the grown-ups in the room doing playoff basketball, and Giannis is meeting that moment as well. And that's where it's uh, – and, and admittedly, yeah, I finally went and saw Avengers Endgame the other day, so I have Thanos on the mind. I mean, that's when Giannis becomes Thanos, What it's like – Holy smokes! Like he's got all these different, you know, things working, and uh, and it's just tough to stop.
0: The 22-year-old LeBron makes that NBA Finals. They beat Detroit in the Conference Finals, and they get to, and they get smoked by the Spurs. But it it's worth remembering: the 23-year-old LeBron loses in the second round to Boston, and the 24-year-old LeBron loses in the Eastern Conference Finals to Orlando before and then the 25-year-old LeBron loses in the second round again against Boston um bef- you know so I think there's um you know there, there I think we have forgotten about some of those struggles right and then I think the 26-year-old yeah. LeBron goes to Miami so and yeah. um I I think we have forgotten well, how hard it is no, to I, do at this early an age in your career No I agree 100% because
1: even the trip to the finals you can't
0: take that away but it always seemed
1: to have a little bit of an asterisk next to it just because you know they it was a little bit like when the you know the the nets got to the finals two years in a row when it was like all right someone's got to come out of the east and then they got smoked by the spurs and it just didn't feel like a a legitimate uh you know championship series um this i mean i you know after watching last night i'm sitting there thinking to myself wow i don't know if the warriors can get over on these guys you know, and, and what they do defensively is going to cause a lot of problems for Golden State, uh, and, you know, and obviously assuming they get past Portland here. But uh, this is a Giannis at this age and a Bucks team right now in the present tense that I do think could actually be holding the trophy by the time it's all said and done, you know, in that regard, then you're kind of going back to shades of, you know, he's not a rookie by any means, but, you know, Magic Johnson doing that as a rookie. And, you know, we've seen young guys go all the way to the finish before, but but again, it's it's just really impressive right now.
0: You know, that was on this day in 1980. Was it really? The Magic Johnson starting for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I mean, you and I are the exact same age. That has to be your first major. Like, that is my first. I remember kind of watching the Wizards and the Sonics in some finals, and um, that was 76-77. I can't remember who wins 78 off the top of my head. Maybe Maybe. I don't know. 79 is that. Or 80 is that file. I'm 10 years old. You're 10 years old. Like I, that magic starting at center, that is seriously one of my most vivid NBA memories.
1: I hate to do this to you, my friend. I, you got a couple years on me. I was three.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't know. I thought we were the same age.
1: Oh. I'm just giving you a hard time. We've no, just been but, in the business but I the certainly. I, I ran the tape back plenty of times. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's legendary stuff. You're talking about magic filling in for Kareem and. And hidden, you know, hook shots and, and get the job done as a young guy. I mean, that's where his legend was born and only grew from there. But but it, it, it's extremely I mean, as you know, it's incredibly rare to see rookies, even but even guys as young as Giannis to be able to perform at this level at this stage.
0: Um, I don't really usually swear on this podcast, but warning, it's coming. Um you either should be really pissed off at me, or if you're only like forty two, you look like shit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that is brutal. First of all, I love that you said swearing is pissed off. That that shows how. No, I said I said uh, the, how I, you're I, wired. I said the S word in there. Oh, okay. I said,
1: uh, oh, that's fair. I uh, I was stuck on pissed off. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. Um, um, I guess I
0: I guess I look like shit. Then I'm actually only 41,
1: <laughs> so it's a little rough.
0: I'm just hey uh, to your point about Milwaukee's defense transitioning out of that <laughs> headline. Headline: Emic looks like shit. <laughs> coming. My bad. I thought we were the same age. I guess we just done this a long <laughs> time together. We have kids that are. Kind of similar, so I guess I guess I'm ahead. Sure, there. sure, sure. Uh, or I'm having yeah. a complex that the first number is going to be five pretty soon, so I'm just trying to pretend I'm younger. Um,
1: no worries, I'm there for you.
0: Toronto only took twenty-one percent of their shots at the rim last night. Um, that is in the according to cleaning the glass in the second percentile of all games of all teams. Like, and wow. they only shot nine of seventeen at the rim. This is to your point right. about Milwaukee's defense. This is what Milwaukee does. Milwaukee allowed the fewest shots at the rim this year by a considerable amount, not like, Oh, they had the few, like they allowed opponents to shoot. And I'm pulling it up right now. 57.5% of their, or excuse me, 30.3% of their shots at the rim. There were only three teams in the NBA under 33.5 San Antonio, Golden right. State, Milwaukee. Now Golden State, it's interesting, right? Golden State's the other one. Um, the the only difference is that when you get to the rim against Golden State, you score. When you not only does Milwaukee not let you shoot at the rim, they don't let you finish at the rim either. And and I just don't think Toronto can score enough in this series. No, I agree.
1: And I mean, even as great as Kawhi Leonard has been, you could see moments last night where, you know, I mean, he's a, you know probably as athletic as anybody in the league, and the guy can get up and he would get met at the rim time and again. And that's what they're faced with. So then that's where the, the kind of spoiled Kyle Lowry game hurts even more. Because for him, I mean, I forget what he finished up from three. It was like six of seven, seven of eight, something like that. I mean, it was incredible. So for him to have the antidote to the problems at the rim by just launching from long range and being that accurate, you know, sure, that's how you get a W against this Bucks defense. And they didn't get the W. So. You know, that, if they could have just had a, a couple more Danny Green threes or somebody else chime in or Kawhi hitting threes. Um, but the Bucks have created this system where they, they get you at the rim, they get you at the three-point line, you can have everything in between. And, you know, and that's why they're the top defense in the
0: league. The Warriors-Blazers series is what we'll talk about next. Sam had a quote that, frankly, was perfection. And perfection often comes from a Curry. This time it was just Seth. We'll talk about it coming up next when we continue. It's Locked On NBA with the Athletic Sam Amick here on the Locked On Podcast Network. In your story today, Sam Seth Curry said it best: "They're harder to guard without Durant. They run around faster. They're not better, but they're harder to guard." I thought that is, and they're way more fun to watch. Um, But I think that's really the truth is they are harder to guard and more difficult to deal with without Durant. Right. Right. And how
1: great was Seth? Uh, And to be honest, it's funny to hear your reaction to the quote as a writer. I'm now sitting here going, I probably should have led with that. Like I thought it was, that was at the end of a column and I kind of threw it in, but I agree. I thought he was fascinating with his analysis. And I also loved, Like, nobody does, you know, could be a politician like a Curry, right? Like, Seth, knowing full well that if he came out and said that the Warriors are a better team without Kevin Durant, that would be explosive because of who his brother is and because Kevin's free agency is coming up very quickly. But they are also, by and large, very real people. So he wasn't going to just give a garbage answer and just lie through his teeth about how he saw – basketball situation. So he split the difference and he really did it well, I thought. Because he's right. They, you know, they pass the ball more, they 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 run off screens a whole lot more when Kevin's not out there. But then, you know, you look at the track record last couple years, two championships, and and certainly when they get to the finals, and you know, we have seen what Kevin has done at that point. You can't be a back-to-back finals MVP without being part of the solution. So you know, I'm certainly not in that camp of people who says uh, I mean, it's, you got two questions. Like, do they need him? Like, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe they could win the title without him, but like, you know, is he somebody who I'm signing every day of the week, you know, at, to be part of my club, no matter how it changes our system, no matter, you know, aesthetically or otherwise a hundred percent. So um, yeah, I thought Seth was, was great on that topic.
0: Here's what jumped out to me from that quote, your article today in the athletic trying to watch them and understand the value of Durant and, What's the number one thing Steve Kerr's been talking about for three years? Fatigue. They're tired. They're bored. Right. Sure. Durant yeah. takes and... no. Durant takes no energy. Right. Get the How ball. Do you mean? To, get the ball to Durant. Let him play ISO at the top of the key. You don't have to throw as many passes. You don't throw, run us through as many picks. Well, the way they're the way they played the other night, beautiful, awesome, loved it. It's tiring. It's tiring for Seth and Clay to run around like that. Although it's also, here's
1: i tell you what, like here's the, here's, here's the rub. And that's so interesting. Um, I agree with you on the court. I think there are long stretches during these past couple of years where they would never say it publicly, but the the opposite would be true off the court, you know, that he can be an up and down personality uh, and he can require energy in different ways. So I think that's like the Kevin Durant experience in golden state. And it's one that lately uh, has been going really well. And in fact, I've now kind of walked, for me, we'll get into the free agency stuff later, but for the first time in months, there's part of me that wonders if maybe he sticks around after we thought you know, he was definitely New York bound. And he very well might wind up doing the New York thing, but the mood has been good between him and his teammates. They have also had you know, a, a great appreciation for his talent, which I think matters a lot in terms of how he's feeling about his kind of work-life experience. But you know, but you're right. On the court, that makes a ton of sense. They, uh, you know, they conserve a lot of calories. And if you did, went back and quantified all the steps and, and the ground covered, you know, with uh, with Kevin versus not with Kevin, I think uh, that would certainly bear out.
0: I don't know if you remember this. I'm gonna to toot our own horn a little bit here. You and I did a podcast very, very early in the year. Uh, I'm gonna guess we recorded it on <clears throat> October. 30 if October is 31 days we recorded October 31st because I remember specifically we recorded I was in Minnesota looking at the hotel so the first weeks of the season and I we talked about the Warriors and we brought up that they did not get along that there was obvious dysfunction that there was they were worn out from each other and my take at the time was I think they're going to win 70-plus games because they're all so pissed at each other that all of them are trying to prove that they're the most important piece. Like, Seth's trying to prove he's an or Steph's trying to prove, he's an MVP. Draymond to prove this, to wanted this. And you said Curry holds the whole... Your answer to mine was, that's probably true, and Curry holds the whole thing together. And right. they all get along. And what happened three days later was Curry was not in L.A., and they had their blow-up. Right. It's pretty interesting to, yep. I mean that we i mean I think that to your point of the off court energy and all of that and how bad it was, like we actually knew that blow up was coming. we didn't realize it was going to be that, oh, yeah. right, like but everyone knew that- not everyone or at least us and we're not the only people, I guess would be the way to say it, is that that blow up was coming that 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 wear and tear off the court just it's interesting to see if people really forget <laughs> that or not.
1: Yeah. Like we knew it was coming. We never knew. I mean, the fascinating part, and this is where uh, the players, you know, I wouldn't blame them for feeling. um, I was going to say exploited. That's probably a little strong, but like, you know, let's say you're on that Warriors team and you're not Draymond or Kevin, if you're, you know, like the fact that the fight happened publicly meant that it was fair game. It was red meat for the media. It was red meat for the fans. And it was red meat for all the people who don't like the Warriors. And it played out in the most public way that we've, you know, probably ever seen in in terms of a superstar problem between players. And, 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 you know, you're right. Steph wasn't there. He's kind of the family, you know, he's like the, the young guy, you know, you always hear about young kids being the ones who, who who try to be funny uh, within the family dynamic to keep everybody in a good place. And Steph does that. He finds ways to keep it light, keep it together. And he wasn't there. And that was a factor. I did an interview with David West earlier in the year where he definitively said that he feels like if he hadn't retired, that fight never would have happened, that he is, is kind of the vet. He would have stepped in and squashed it. But, I mean, my God, you had Draymond in front of people telling Kevin Durant, we don't need you. We've done this without you. So, I mean, it was, you know, it was a the peak of dysfunction for that group. But I'm I'm pretty stunned to say that they found their way. And it doesn't mean they don't still have stuff. I mean, there were some moments early on in that first round against the Clippers. And some of this stuff was chronicled, you know, when Kevin takes only eight shots in game two and everybody's wondering what's going on with him. um, I think at that time it exposed how little trust some of the people in their group have in him, because there was like this sense of why did he do that? What is he doing? Is he playing games with us? You know, like what is Kevin thinking? And that's the, the trickiest part about Kevin as a person That He is generally, and he'll say this, like he he grew up, you know, pretty shy, pretty kind of, you know, withdrawn, and he's not going to run around telling you how he feels. And so that leads to a lot of guesswork when things, when the vibe's not great. So, you know, they still have their stuff that they're working through. But, uh, you know, what you are seeing now is something else that I've been saying all the way through this season is that for him personally, the chance for a three-peat is the number one priority, and the competitive, uh, competitiveness came out, you know, in these playoffs, and he was great, and they found their way, and, you know, we'll see when he comes back, but, uh, they, you know, they're, they're rolling pretty well right now.
0: Uh, I'm interested, you're reading Marcus Thompson's book, Who's So Great, um, about KD, the great book on Steph. I, I want you to think, uh, the one thing I reason I think Durant's happy in this playoffs is LeBron's out. The word that I had gotten from people that are close to LeBron who know an awful lot about him and know him well. And actually, Michael Lee, another athletic writer, wrote a great piece earlier this year that kind of tipped me off a little bit about him. He's really good, by the way. Michael Lee's really good. Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, was that one of Durant's problems was that he went to the he went to the Warriors? He won back to back NBA Finals MVPs, and everybody still talked about how LeBron was better than him. And he just couldn't right. get happy about it. Like I think the absence right. of LeBron in this playoffs is helping KD a great deal.
1: Yeah, I mean, the LeBron thing is very real. Um, I told somebody privately a story about this the other day. When the Warriors won the title last year, I, I just it really stuck with me, like a conversation. I don't want to out the person, but a conversation I had with, like, you know, a Kevin associate, where it was like there was so much joy about another title, but the conversation, like, quickly pivoted towards LeBron, that it was not just about a title. It was about getting LeBron again. Um, about, you know, the, the championship count, you know, that now it's, all right, he's got two, uh, one more, you tie LeBron and kind of go from there. And so that would make perfect sense that the idea that LeBron is out, the idea that, I mean, not to make Kevin sound this vindictive, but the idea that Laker land is a dumpster fire right now and nothing is going well, you know, it's, it's quite a contrast to what's happening with Kevin and his career. Because no matter what he does this summer, I mean, he's he is seen as a guy. Even with Giannis doing what he's doing and Kawhi doing what he's doing, and James Harden possibly being the MVP again, you know, people routinely say on very large platforms that Kevin Durant is the best player in basketball. And I think for sure that is what he has been, you know, fighting for for a long time now.
0: And why don't we say this about Steph Curry? Because he has revolutionized the game. He is the most efficient player we've ever had. He has absolutely changed everything. I, I still think we're missing on how great Seth Curry, Steph Curry is.
1: Because Kevin's there. That's where, here's the thing. And I'm not, I don't want to pretend for a second that I know the answer to this. Because sometimes reporters will speak in code and then listeners think that we're saying something. I'm not saying that I know the answer to this question at all. But, like, does Steph truly want Kevin back? I don't know. Uh, I think so. Uh, He says so. But the the thing about your question is the reason that Steph is no longer in the discussion as greatest player in the game is because he chose to be teammates with not just Kevin, but the collection of all their talent is such that his greatness, you know, doesn't come out like it did in the back-to-back MVP campaigns. Now, listen, I voted for him fourth in MVP this year. It's not like he's, you know, not doing what he does. He had a great year. But it's, uh, I mean, two things. A, you know, he can't reach the peaks that he reached before because the system is simply different and there's only one ball. We've already kind of analyzed that aspect of it. The other thing is, the, the hypothetical, you know, I don't know if he could have continued on that course and continued to to hit 400 plus threes, if healthy, you know, you know, if they didn't get Kevin, um, I just know that they got Kevin and it changed the lay of the land for the Warriors. And then that combined with the fact that while he's improved greatly on the defensive end, he's never going to be considered a high level two way player. And, and Kevin is, even though Kevin will, you know, go long stretches without defending uh, you know, he can have moments where he looks like a defensive player of the year candidate uh, just because of his athleticism, his length, and, you know, just what it does to the opponent. So I think that's why, and I think that's why this past couple of, you know, not I guess this past week has been so interesting because it's a little bit of a renaissance for Steph of the pre-KD era. You know, and, and now going forward, I can tell that it's, you know, I guarantee you the Warriors are kind of monitoring these narratives closely. Like, all right, it's good to give Steph a little shine and let him have his his moments, but we hope Kevin comes back quickly enough to where he doesn't come back to like a massive Steph Curry love affair in the Bay Area, where they forgot about Kevin, and then you have that dynamic again. I mean, these are the kinds of things that are that seem to be teetering in the world.
0: Forty-five days out from free agency, will make Sam play around and come up with he wants local experts on the biggest stories on the locked on podcast network. Make sure you go grab locked on Pelicans to find out their reaction to the Zion Williamson locked on Knicks was interesting about where they are. All the other shows as well. Biggest stories happen. Make sure you go to local experts on the stories on the locked on podcast network. All right, Sam, here we go. 45 days out. You're allowed to be wrong on every single one of these. Let's start with it. Kevin Durant. I mean, I'm going to
1: be wrong on every single one. I'll I'll almost guarantee that. Um, Kevin, I'm going to put him in a Clippers jersey.
0: Woo! Wow!
1: Yep. That's not, you know, aggregators beware. This is not reporting. We are speculating. Uh, Like like David said, 45 days out. Uh, A little bit of a prisoner of the moment. That Clippers series was really interesting to watch, Human Dynamics a lot of affinity between Kevin and some of those players, even Pat Beverly, who was obviously kind of in his Jersey for most of that series. Um, Steve Ballmer sitting next to Kevin's right-hand man, Rich Kleiman uh, a couple months ago on the boardroom, the ESPN show that is produced by Kevin's production company, you know, like, like from that to this, there's been all these, you know, unofficial flirtations that um, that, that I think are, super interesting. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, certainly, I heard you've been hearing a lot of Clippers noise lately, but we all know this stuff can change. Um, and you, you mentioned the LeBron stuff. And again, that's this is interesting. just me talking.
0: I mean, to the conversation we just had, if you're really obsessed with LeBron, that's how you go do it.
1: Right. Right. Like, and just not go only beat, that,
0: go beat it, him in his town.
1: Well, you're, you're in his town. You, you kind of punk the Lakers. Um, you also let's not man. we don't spend enough time really analyzing owners and kevin has really enjoyed um the business aspect of being in the bay area the silicon valley experience and he's become a, a you know as big a mogul as there is in the nba on that front and now to take that knowledge just go down the coast a little bit and partner with a guy named steve bomber who i think casual nba fans continue to sleep on how massive a of a character he is in his space, you know, you know, co-founder of Microsoft and a guy who is just far and away the wealthiest NBA owner out there. Um, That's big. And I think it would check that box for Kevin. And then if it ends up not to get ahead of you here, but I, I would handicap Kawhi Leonard going to the Clippers as well. So it's like, if you put those two guys together, then um, personality wise, Kevin still will have plenty of time to be, perceived as the guy as great as Kawhi is, you know, Kevin's more media friendly. Kevin's going to have more of a profile because Kawhi is Kawhi. So, uh, you know, who knows? We'll see, but I think that could be a possibility.
0: Kyrie Irving.
1: Um, since we're having fun here and, and it's, uh, I do, I can, I can feel myself grabbing toward gravitating towards like the more entertaining <laughs> yeah prospects. Yeah. Um, like, I don't. And this again, not intel. I just I think Kyrie to the Lakers makes a lot of sense. Well, particularly and,
0: particularly if Durant is not going to the Knicks.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. If if Kevin's off the table, and Kyrie doesn't have his partner uh, to go to New York, and and maybe I mean listen, Kyrie did not handle the pressure in Boston all that well. There's going to be even more pressure in New York, especially if you don't have a supporting cast. And he had a supporting cast in Boston, and they still struggled. I mean, if he if he's humbly learned anything about the Boston, you know, through the Boston experience, it should be that like it, it takes a lot to get to the the championship mountain, and it takes not only talent but chemistry and um, the type of stuff that the Knicks cannot claim to have right now. And so, the LeBron stuff that happened with Kyrie midway through the season was so interesting. I mean, you know, the the apology when Kyrie comes out of nowhere and talks about leadership and how he learned, um, you know, about kind of about himself, but in the context of LeBron in that Boston experience, I mean, you know, the whole story, like that was strange. Like you had a, you know, bi-coastal, you know, kind of uh, kind of chilling of the ice and a, in a reunion of sorts between those two guys. And now they need each other more than ever. And I don't know who else the Lakers are going to get. Uh, I think, you know, certainly, uh, even even like a Jimmy Butler, I think Jimmy would prefer to go to the Clippers or to go to the Knicks or to go somewhere like that or to stay in Philly, certainly. So uh, I think LeBron needs Kyrie, and, and maybe Kyrie looks at this and says, you know, I was overthinking it, and maybe I'll try to go win another championship with this guy.
0: It's incredible how the dominoes play here. I mean, it's just incredible. And how these guys enter the egos we just talked about with Durant and LeBron. How, who moves first and how fast, and when do they move, and when do they do it to... I mean, this is going to be insane, right? Because to some extent, Kyrie's on the phone to Durant. Are we going to New York? Uh, well, mm-hmm. and like right. Durant's on the right. phone to Kawhi's people saying, are we going to the Clippers? Like, I mean, if in this scenario we just built, that, all that other stuff is going on. And whether it's actually them or their agents, who knows? But it's insane. Right. And if LeBron gets word that the Clippers are building, then he's begging Kyrie. It's crazy how this all could happen. Jimmy- well, and here's the yeah. thing. We still act
1: like, like, and, and I'm going to be the guy who keeps yelling this from the mountain top. We still act like these conversations happen in late June or early July. Like these conversations are happening now. I mean, like, like even, even recently when I had reported that there was a little bit of optimism on the Warriors' side, that maybe Kevin would stick around. Like, I don't know what led to that optimism. Cause I can't speak to every conversation, but I know for a fact that some of the Warriors' players who previously thought Kevin was definitely out, are now thinking maybe he's not that you know that came from somewhere. Um, you know I know for a fact that that uh, you know some of these guys who we are talking about right now, their agents have been certainly talking to other agents about possibilities and trying to to make sure that their guys have a co-star to go with them wherever they might want to go. So these conversations are happening now. And uh, and I think even more so than people realize.
0: Yeah, and I think the other, the one I always wonder about on that topic is whether or not a guy gets himself in a bind. Like, has Durant promised oh, Kyrie, yeah. Yeah. and now he's stuck to that when he actually suddenly has another option from somebody else he wishes, and who breaks what? Right, uh, Kemba right. Kemba Walker.
1: Kemba, I just I just don't have a great feel for him. Um, I know we were talking off air a little bit. Like, I kind of love. The idea of Kemba going to Utah. We know how badly the Jazz want, you know, an upgrade at point guard. You had made the salient point that the West is not a great place to. I mean, Kemba has been celebrated with good reason for being a highly productive point guard in the East. The West is a different story. So I don't know. Uh, that one I'm kind of just spitballing. I mean, you know, the Utah thing is interesting. You know, Brooklyn. Another possibility, and certainly with his roots, that would that would fit in, and, and even his kind of grittiness and his profile, I think it'd be marketing-wise a no-brainer to have him with the Nets. So, I mean, if I got to pick one, I guess I'll say Brooklyn because I don't have them pegged to get you know any of the other big-name guys. So the
0: Knicks are missing on every single one of these guys.
1: I mean, is Campbell going to go? Campbell's a winner, man. Like he he's leaving Charlotte, you know, conceivably and potentially because he's not. A, a perennial playoff contender, and I don't. I mean, you know, if, if Kyrie's not going to handle the, uh you know, put put a franchise on my back approach, is Campbell going to do that in New York? I don't see it. I mean, I don't see how that Knicks experience is any more positive than what he could have in Charlotte, as opposed to the Brooklyn thing, where you have, it's like the Clippers of the East. You have momentum. You have Uh, a very capable organization that has built a front office that's doing a wonderful job and a coach who's lauded for player development. It just checks a lot more boxes. I mean, the, the Knicks have been doing what the Lakers have been doing out West, which is kind of leaning on their brand and their name and hoping that it pays off at some point. So yeah, I think if I was Kemba, I'd certainly be picking Brooklyn over New York, Jimmy Butler, Jimmy buckets. Um, I will say so the Clippers are full the way we've done it the Lakers are full um I'll put him staying in Philly. I think uh Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, I just think it's he he uh, asserted himself enough in the playoffs to where I think that his ego is, you know, properly stroked and he played mostly very well and he was a guy that Because of Ben Simmons' deficiencies, Jimmy fits in very nicely. They know that they need a guy, you know, who's not a big in Joel to get you a bucket late in the game. And and a guy whose competitive fabric in the end seemed to work really well in that environment. It got off to a tough start. You know, it was certainly widely reported that he had gotten into it with Brett Brown. You know, there was a time when I had heard that he and Brett weren't necessarily clicking and then, later in the process during the playoffs had had somebody who certainly knows Jimmy's perspective indicate that, that Brett had kind of made a, a few nuanced concessions and done different things that were greatly appreciated by Jimmy and that that dynamic got a lot better and that that seemed to be a pretty positive working relationship. So uh, I don't know what that contract looks like. They have the ability to give him the five-year full max. You know, most people say there's no way you give him that much money. But again, he was pretty good, and what's interesting about this market is there's so much money that it's going to be one of those where even some of these max players uh, you know, or, or guys that you don't think are max players based on talent or age or whatever factor, that they're, they're going to become max players just because of the economics of
0: it. And that leads to Tobias Harris.
1: I don't – man, I don't know what to do with Tobias. I mean, they, they like him. He played well last I sh- you know, last I heard he, he wanted to stick around, um, lauded, uh, Elton brand, by the way, deserves some love because I just continue to hear this wonderful things about his ability to, to kind of navigate these waters and establish relationships and paint a picture of where they're going as an organization. Um, a lot of positivity around Elton brand, their first year GM. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I just, that's, a, I mean, I guess I'll, I'm hesitantly keeping him in Philly, but I—that's those are massive checks to cut for Josh Harris in that group. And, you know, they didn't even make the conference finals with that group, so I'll probably be wrong on, on that front. But, you know, I guess I'll kind of lean on the positivity that, that I was told is around Tobias' situation too. And maybe it's a not a max deal. Maybe it's, you know, a, a smaller contract where he just decides that that he likes what they have going out there and he wants to stick around.
0: I think he is the most untapped offensive player in the NBA right now. And if I was Tobias Harris, I would never stay to be the fourth option. I think where he's... would you go somewhere? I get the Miami ball. or something like somewhere that. where I get the ball. Yeah. Like, I, I, yeah, I, I think he's really, really good. I did a huge research project on, uh, recently and we can wrap on this, uh, on the power forwards in the NBA, and he actually has a skill set that almost nobody else has. Um, and it depends what def- how you define Durant, if you define him as a, th- as a four or not. But if you, if you go through the fours in the NBA, okay, Handler's on the pick and roll this year. Tobias had 1,200. Durant had 1,100. Blake Griffin had 970. The next was Rudy Gay with 380. Like, there's three right. power forwards in the NBA that can run a pick and roll with the ball in their hands. Tobias is one of them. You go to isolations, right. Blake, all right, Blake Griffin had the most, Kevin Durant had the second most, Julius Randle had the third, Tobias had the fourth. Tobias is better than any of them in isolation. He's the best isolation four in the league. Right. And then if you go to drives, he had 762 drives. No four in the league had more drives than that. Right. And he's good at all these things. I think he's completely an untapped offensive player. I think the game has changed to hit to his skill set. He started in the league out of Tennessee as this hybrid 3-4, and no one's sure what to do with him. And his defense was terrible and it's still not very good. But offensively, he's untapped. No one has let him go yet. If I am him, I'm going to a coach who says I get the ball. I get to run the pick and roll. I get to go isolate in games. I get to go to work. His isolations per point per isolation is better than Kevin Durant.
1: I hear you, but you and I both know the reputation, which is he, I don't think he's, you know, I think he's widely perceived as a second tier star. And he's a guy who, if he's your, if he's the guy, then, you know, you've got a ceiling on what you accomplish as a group. And the recent sample size, now I'm, sensing from the way you're breaking it down that you certainly did not think that Doc Rivers, you know, unleashed him offensively, but he had his best offensive year with the Clippers before they traded him. And I think the outside perception would be that they played pretty decent basketball, but it's not a great look that they were actually even better after he was gone, which is counterintuitive and something that nobody saw coming the the playoff push that they made. So um, all great points. I just don't know you know if he wants that i don't know if he can find that and and what is that team going to look like um but it it also i guess to bring it back to the philly side i don't feel like i believe what i'm saying about the idea that that they would actually give out those two massive contracts to both those guys i feel like they probably end up having to pick one or the other
0: um right no i'm with you you know kent who is it eric Spolstra. by the way you uh,
1: i gotta jam this in at the at the end you uh you clearly think that Klay Thompson is staying with the Warriors. Oh, I
0: just left him out, didn't I? Um, you did. Yeah. Do you think Klay Thompson? Yeah, because actually, when Kevin Durant leaves, I think if I was allowed, we're not allowed I can say this because I'm not allowed to bet. Um, and you built some power teams here, but I still would say that the day when Kevin Durant leaves Golden State, I would put my mortgage payments on the Warriors winning the title the next year. Like, oh wow! You want to see? You want to see? You want to see a group of guys that suddenly is. Recommitted to focus. Motivated. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's what they can't say, like, if that's true at all right now. Like, isn't that – it's so interesting about what's happening right now because even privately, like, if if they felt that way right now, none of them are going to say it. They probably wouldn't even say it to each other. Like, but maybe they're thinking it. You know, I don't know. But I can buy that, especially because you're going into the new arena – in san francisco and for people who don't know the lay of that land i mean it's a very big deal they've been in oakland since i think 1947 something like that um i'm going too far back but it's 40 50 years and ton of history in oakland and now you're moving into a massive you know beautiful building on the shores of the san francisco bay and the last thing they want is to have the actual basketball take a step back and, and i could definitely see them uh you know as they sit there right by the water trying to relive the splash brothers days and i mean this they won 73 games you know what i mean like we forget they won 73 games without kevin and stumbled at the end and that's why he's here but uh they were incredible
0: and if they were to win it again it would change who everyone thinks those guys are yeah but you said it earlier, you're not even convinced they're getting by Milwaukee. All right, I like you way too much even though you're much younger than I am and enjoy our conversations too much. We've gone way too long, so we got to go. Uh, the format is supposed to be 30 minutes. And we just went more. We apologize for if we took 10 minutes of your time you didn't enjoy, but I hope everyone liked that. And aggregators, do not do to Sam like you do to others. Sam, thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon, buddy.
1: Thanks, David. Be good.